Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is key takeaways from the BGSA conference with my friend Ben Gordon. How's it going, Ben? Joe, I'm doing great. Pleasure to be with you again. Thank you. Yes, Ben, please introduce yourself and your company. Sure. So, Joe, I'm the CEO of Cambridge Capital. We invest in companies in the logistics and supply chain arena. I'm also the founder and managing partner of BG Strategic Advisors, which has spent 20 years providing M&A advisory services to more than 50 companies in the logistics world. Okay. So BGSA is the Ben Gordon Strategic Advisors Conference, <laughs> right? We host that conference. That's exactly right. Yes. So before we get into that, just to... Just last week, Ben, I was talking to you about the Ukraine Logistics Coalition that you're leading. And why don't you give us an update on that before we get into the key takeaways from this conference? Sure, absolutely. So as as I'm sure everybody knows right now, Ukraine is under a, a massive onslaught in, in, in a war of Russia's, Russia's choosing. Tens of thousands of people have been killed. There are millions of refugees and, and more. And uh, I have a personal linkage to this because we bought a logistics company last year called Everest, which has 150 people in Ukraine, in Kiev, or they were in Kiev. And so I felt a personal moral obligation to help these people. We evacuated most of them, uh, all that wanted to be evacuated out, either out of Kiev or or, or out of the country, and then turned attention to the next uh, issue, which is what can we do to help the people and the country of Ukraine? And I believe that we in the supply chain world have an opportunity and an obligation to help, to make an impact. And one obvious way to do that for me is leveraging what I know, what you know, and what your audience knows, which is how to use supply chain to help. So part of that is organizing buses to get people out and evacuated with partners like Project Dynamo, which is doing incredible life-saving work, literally saving lives, getting people out of war zones. They actually were on TV. I saw that they were hauling people out. They had a whole bunch of buses. They're doing amazing work. Super, super proud of them and, and what they're doing. And then the other part is bringing food, medicine, and supplies in, both to the war-torn region and cities under siege like Kiev, Mariupol, I'm afraid other cities to come, possibly Odessa. And then, of course, also food, medicine, and supplies to the millions of refugees that have fled Ukraine that are now in Poland, Hungary, Romania, and Moldova. And so the Ukraine Logistics Coalition is a group of other CEOs of transportation and logistics companies who are stepping up to help make a difference, to contribute free transportation resources, to make it possible for people to donate supplies so that we can get those supplies into the theater as quickly and efficiently as possible. And perhaps most importantly right now, one thing that I've noticed, Joe, is there's so much interest, but there's no organized way of actually getting everything in. So we are working with partners to create a marketplace that allows groups on the ground, like the government and NGOs and others, to describe their needs, suppliers like medical supply, food medicine, and other companies to donate those needs, and then transportation companies to provide an end-to-end TMS function, really, to deliver the goods. And so we are working on that. And if you have right. members, well, listeners who are interested in helping, of course, we'd be very grateful. And the people of Ukraine would be very grateful. 
Right. So we're looking to set up a marketplace and a TMS to move it. This should be stuff we're good at, guys. <laughs> exactly. So can you mention the companies that are involved right now? Or is there too many to list? I, absolutely. So I, I'm I'm really proud of my friend James Gagne of, of Seco Worldwide, who stepped up to play a key role. We're in talks with other great companies that are contributing resources and help, including Delta, which is providing uh, free air transport, Maricold, which will be providing cold storage resources in Poland and elsewhere. We're in talks with Flexport. We're in talks with a host of other major airlines. There are there are trucking companies in the U.S. Uh, there are trucking companies in Poland and, and throughout the surrounding region. And my hope, expectation is over the course of the next week that we'll have another dozen or so ma- major companies that are committing resources so that we can do this in an automated and efficient manner to save more lives. Yep. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the lead on that. And what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile and a link to all those links you gave me last week on places we can might donate. And then if people want to reach out to you, they can. And I'll put also a link to the podcast we did last week, which was just a short video, 15 minutes on the Ukraine Logistics Coalition. And again, the need, all you have to do is turn on the TV and you can see the need. It's 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 great. And it's not, even if this conflict ends in a, a month, it's or three weeks or whenever it ends, this is a need that is going to go for a long time. Millions and millions. I think I saw 3 million plus people are displaced. Yes, that's right. Anyway, let's talk on a happier note. So first off, what is the BGSA conference that you held? Let's see. I just wrote it down. January 19th, the 21st, almost a month ago. Two months ago. Two months ago. That's right. So the BGSA conference is the annual event that we on the BG Strategic Advisor side have been hosting for 16 years now in Palm Beach at the Breakers. And it's really intended to be a gathering of top CEOs in the logistics world to share their perspective on what's happening in the industry from a strategy, technology, and deal standpoint. Many of those CEOs are our clients, close relationships at BGSA, as well as portfolio companies for our affiliated private equity firm at Cambridge Capital. And this past January, we had over 300 CEOs and supply chain leaders who came together to share their feedback on what they're seeing and what their outlook is for the year. Yeah. So if, if you get those top 300 guys and they say, this is what's happening, I believe them. I believe you. So let's talk about what what would be the first key takeaway that you got from the conference, talking to all of these fine folks. Well, I'd say number one is, you know, we've all been living in a world where supply chain was for many of us might have felt like an afterthought. And it's become obvious that supply chain is front and center in the world. And so you're talking about headlines like the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the fact that we've got this shortage of cars because of the shortage of chips. We've got the the port log jams, the 100 plus ships off the coast of LA Long Beach, the supply chain bottlenecks that are now causing or contributing to this high 7% plus inflation. So I think number one, there's a recognition that there's this tremendous level of increased importance in supply chain. And on the one hand, bad news for the world. On the other hand, good news for our industry. Our industry is a vital part of what the potential solutions can be. And I think there is a high level of optimism. That's reflected, Joe, in, among other things, the polling that we do. So we ask our attendees, the CEOs, what was the growth for your company last year? The options range from less than 10% all the way to to, to more than 10%, 86% said their growth last year was more than 10%. And these aren't small companies you're talking about. 
these are big guys. I mean, we're talking CEOs and leaders of companies like UPS, DHL, NFI. I mean, so, so I think that's significant. Equally significant was when asked the same question about the outlook going forward, almost the same answer. So high expectation of continued growth in supply chain. And I think that's a function of the fact that there's just a tremendous level of, of need, more trans. I mean, our company, Everest, for example, truck brokerage company grew 100% last year. And that's the case for plenty of others. So I think theme number one would be massive growth and importance in supply chain. Yep. And, and you know, and it's interesting from my own perspective, when we were talking just before we hit record, I told you my story about when a recruiter 20 years ago was saying to me, hey, we need a supply chain VP. And they kept saying supply chain VP. And I was like, the hell is supply chain? I had no idea. And I was in automotive, which is, I always joke, it's the biggest, baddest supply chain on earth, but we didn't call it supply chain. And I think there was also, if you go back all the way back to Henry Ford, he wanted complete vertical integration. There is no supply chain there. You don't have to transport anything from the next town over or the next country over if you do everything in-house. Increasingly, we're doing engineering and manufacturing outside and we see the opportunities. And, you know, right now, if we had to start a company, Ben, and make some, some sort of machinery, we're not looking to say how much can we build ourselves. We're looking and saying, hey, we're going to go outside and we're going to buy it all. And that means it's got to all be transported. So, yeah, if you just look in, the, you look in your daily world and think about all the stuff, how it's moving and how it's built, supply chain matters. Exactly. Anyway, so what's the next big key takeaway you saw? Well, I think the second big t- takeaway was the growth in e-commerce and what it means for all the downstream services in supply chain. So if you look at e-commerce penetration, e-commerce is a percent of retail. It took 10 years, 2009 to 19, to go from 5% to 15% penetration. That means... of all retail purchases were online as opposed to in a store. 85% were in a store. Well, in the first quarter of COVID, that 15% more than doubled, okay, to 33%. And and, and continued to grow, although, of course, not at at that insanely steep a a cliff. And so what that meant was growth in e-commerce meant tremendous growth in all these logistics services required to support it. I'll give you some examples. More online purchases means more e-commerce fulfillment, more last mile, more returns and reverse logistics, more tracking and visibility. And we at Cambridge, by the way, have invested in those areas. We have companies in the you know bring and last mile, uh, reverse logics and returns, parcel performance tracking and visibility. So I think growth in e-commerce and all these downstream opportunities in specialty areas of logistics related to technology. Right. And one of the things I've been I've learned about this, the e-commerce was a little different. Not only were we doing more of it, the types of products that we're ordering changed. So now increasingly it was groceries um, and diapers and stuff that we call uh, that kind of that fast moving consumer goods. In the past, you might've said, I need a sweater for that party I'm going to in two weeks. So I'm going to order it and I'll get it in five days, seven days. That's no longer going to be good enough. So that inventory is now we're same day, next day is what everyone's saying. That means we're moving that inventory closer to the consumer so I can get it on that same day, next day. So much change. And you mentioned the returns. What was was your returns investment? We invested in a company called Reverse Logics. And what they do is they provide software to automate the returns process for logistics companies like FedEx and DHL and for retailers and brands. 
Right. And I think you said last time you were, we talked about it, you said something about up to 30% of e-commerce products bought online are returned. That's right. That's right. And even higher in some categories like apparel, women's apparel in particular. Yeah. I call that uh, e-commerce's dirty little secret. And I'm glad you've got a, a company that fixes it. I think we have to do a better job on that. And by the way, we've also trained customers that, hey, if you want to buy that shirt, go ahead and order it in three colors, go ahead and order it in three sizes, and then send all of them back except for the one you like. You're not in a changing room, fellas. <laughs> and uh, well, that's right. That's right. Ask your girlfriend, ask your wife. I'm sure, I'm sure guys do it too, but I know my daughters have told me they do that. It's called bracketing and it's, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of returns <laughs> and we're going to have to figure that out. Well, no question. And one way to, by the way, it costs 10 times as much to return something as it does to, to price out the forward supply chain. So it's a big deal. It's a big cost, a big pain point. It's bad for the environment. It's bad for retailers and brands and companies that can help solve it can create a huge need. My personal view, Joe, is that just like we all know that if you're a supply chain executive on your shelf, you've got a TMS, a WMS, and an OMS, you're going to need an RMS, a returns manager. Right. right. And by the way, some of them, if you walk through a warehouse, you can almost always tell where returns are because it's the area that's pretty sloppy because it wasn't packed by professionals. They just put it back in the bag and taped it up the best they could and sent it back. And then some of that stuff gets destroyed, which is horrible. I've heard a lot of luxury goods, they would rather destroy it than let it get a hit, get a second market. It's a lot of waste. And, you know, when we're trying to reduce our carbon footprint across the whole supply chain, we have to figure out better. And by the way, one of the other things, Amazon's opening up, I, I, the Wall Street Journal called it department stores. I think that's probably an insult to what Amazon does. I, don't, I think Amazon's going to open up a brand new type of store. And I think part of that is going to be to better manage returns. Yeah, I, th I think that's right. I also think, look, there's room for a lot of innovation in the reverse logistics arena, whether it's finding ways to discourage people from overbuying and bracketing, as you put it, yep. uh, whether it's finding a more efficient way to, to return goods. For instance, if you have an RMS and you can do a better job of batching returns, you can make it less expensive, reduce the carbon footprint, you know, everybody wins. And and finally, look, I think you'll also see companies that are, will continue to use AI to try to pinpoint the repeat offenders that are that are returning too much. So lots of different areas of opportunity. But to me, the biggest one is this idea of an RMS. And that's what Reverse Logics is focused on. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. So that's the growth of e-commerce. And again, I think, guys, it's not just the same old e-commerce either. This is e-commerce that's moving much closer to the consumer we expect same day, next day. We expect an experience now. You know, we've all had good and we've all had bad experiences. And I think, you know, we think about getting a massive box for, you know, a cartridge or something. You go, why'd this come? It feels wasteful to have a giant box in your garage, your basement. We're seeing less of that, I, I, I think. But the types of products that we're getting delivered are as really that bar raised, you know, now groceries. And by the way, I should also say this while we're talking about e-commerce. Logistics companies like I think Capstone is moved into delivering groceries. We've had Instacart, we've had Shipped. Those kind of companies aren't necessarily good for the retailers. They don't make money on those transactions like they would like to, and they lo they lose the customer experience. That's that's the biggest problem. That's right. Anyway, enough of my blather. What's the next key takeaway from the BGSA conference? 
Joe, I think the, the third takeaway would be the explosion of activity on the deal side. And oh, you boy. can see that in, in two ways, the technology investment side and the acquisition side. So first on the technology investment side, five years ago, $6 billion was spent on supply chain technology investing. This past year, $24 billion. Okay, so a 4x Whoa. increase. Well, why is that? Well, partly it's because there's been so much growth. By the way, if you look in the public markets, if you invested in the basket of publicly traded supply chain software companies, whether a WiseTech or Excel Service, American Software, Manhattan, Descartes, et cetera, that basket went up over 60% last year. But over the last five years, there's been tremendous growth Damn. in all these areas, right? As I mentioned, e-commerce fulfillment, returns, last mile, uh, tracking, et cetera. And so, so you've got all this growth and all this demand and... That means more money's coming in. By the way, that money is leading to some pretty interesting outcomes. So last year, or actually in 2020, there were 25 unicorns, companies worth over a billion dollars in supply chain software. Last year, that number more than doubled from 25 to 51. So you have companies like, I mean, there, there are global giants. Uh, I mean, they're like, like Rappi in, in Latin America. Uh, giants in, you mentioned like Instacart and in, in, uh, uh, food delivery, Convoy, Keep Trucking, Deliver, Easy Cater, just kind of a broad range of different areas, but tremendous right. level of, of, of growth. And then, and then meanwhile, on the M&A side, you've also seen a tremendous level of growth, 84% increase in M&A last year. And you see, like, just to, to, to rattle off a few themes, there's consolidation where one company buys another in the same space, like Lasership buying on track in, ne in next day. There are e-commerce companies buying logistics like Uber Freight buying Transplace, which by the way, was a deal that originated at, at the BGSA conference two years ago. Very nice. That's why you convince people to go to Florida in January. <laughs> yeah, a lot of reasons, but yeah, people go to talk deals and, and a lot of deals happen there. And, and both, both Lior and Frank, the CEOs of Transplace and Uber actually talked about this in January and how, how they had met and begun discussions two years ago. So so uh, that's that's an illustration. And, and So that's that's the consolidation theme. What's another theme? Well, Uber Transplace, in my mind, is the theme of e-commerce companies buying logistics. Then there are logistics companies buying e-commerce. So for instance, Maersk bought Visible, the, the e-commerce fulfillment company. And uh, we had a chance to talk with those guys in January as well. You've got infrastructure companies buying logistics. So the Singapore Port Authority, PSA, I guess the Port of Singapore Authority to be precise, but BDP, the Global Freight Forwarder. And then you have retailers buying supply chain companies. And this might be the most surprising, at least, at least to me, Joe, but companies like American Eagle uh, buying logistics companies like Quiet Logistics. Yeah, it's funny. I had um, Bruce Welty, the founder on, and I remember he... He alluded to some big changes coming, and that was it. And yeah, that, but it just does speak to the importance of e-commerce. And by the way, I've ordered clothes that came with Quiet. So Quiet was specializing in apparel, and American Eagle, seeing that market grow, said, hey, this has got to be a key competency of ours. We're going to buy it. That's right. That's right. So I think you're seeing M&A across the board. You're seeing aggressive supply chain technology investment. Yeah, 24 billion in the past year. And I think you'll see more of both. So I think robust deal environment, robust investment environment for supply chain. Yep. I talked to John Larkin the other day and I asked him, he's been around, been there, done that, got the hat. 
And I asked him, I said, you know, there's a beginning and a middle and an end to the maturity of an industry. And I said, are this industry obviously is maturing rapidly with all this investment. Are we midway there or are we close to the end? And I, I think he said about the middle. Would you agree with that? I agree with John. I, I think about the middle, but I also think it's worth being precise about that. Some parts of the industry are far more mature, right? Like the right. rail industry where John spent time earlier in his career. And then somewhere there's there's much more disruption, of course, multiple areas of technology. So so I think you, you could you could take that S curve of maturity and say, well, we as an industry have different parts that are, that are in different areas. I think cold chain, right, which is the tracking of temperature and location for pharmaceutical produce and other temperature sensitive shipments. I think that's earlier. On the other hand, I think, you know, large, slow growth oligopoly categories like like rail and, and airlines, you know, clearly, you know, far more mature. And then in between, maybe you've got warehousing where there's mature kind of traditional pallet in, pallet out. And then there's high growth e-commerce fulfillment. And then there's also e-commerce fulfillment of these micro centers that are in market where you're getting rapid turns so that the items that you buy might get delivered within the same hour or, or even within 15 minutes. And so, so I think there, there are parts of our industry that are still very green, very early. Right. And my, my own feeling is at some point, we're going to not have hundreds of different TMS, right? It seems as if there's just a proliferation of those and we're not going to have that. And I think also, I've just, my own perspective, we have what, 17,000 freight brokers. I can't envision there'll be 17,000 freight brokers in 25 years. <laughs> I agree. I mean, what's your feeling on that? <laughs> well, look, I think, you know, Mark Twain famously said, rumors of my death are greatly exaggerated. And I think rumors of the death of truck brokerage are greatly exaggerated. I remember over 20 years ago, when I started my first company in this industry, Threeplex, which was a SaaS TMS, there were all these people that said the truck broker, intermediary, middleman, obsolete, going out of business. Right. I didn't believe that. I, I knew that wasn't the case because 3PLs play a valuable role in the industry. And so we actually built Threeplex as a TMS for 3PLs to give them more productivity. Now, I think in the, in the 20 years since then, a lot has changed. There's pressure on truck brokers in particular. If you look at the average margins, I mean, back 20 years ago when I, 23 years ago when I started 3Plex, the average margin for a truck broker was about 20%. And today that's fallen in half. Okay. So why is that? Well, it's because more competition, more capital and well-funded competitors, more technology that squeezes out inefficiency and people have to adapt to the market. Yeah. My buddies over at Lean are a good example also is they're moving a lot of the back office down to Columbia, which is more stable with the headcount, but also a little less expensive. So I, yeah, I think there's going to be pressure on that that margin in the middle. And by the way, when I said, you know, there'll be fewer, I think there will be fewer, but I think, you know, you look at who is, who's playing in that, it's going to be uh, Load Smart, obviously, Technology, Convoy, Uber. I think we can see Maybe a broker not managing 10 loads a day or 20 loads a day, but managing hundreds or thousands, you know, in an individual just because the technology allows us to do that. Absolutely. All right, Ben. So those were the three points we talked about before we hit record. Anything else you want to share from the conference? I mean, I think we are lucky to be in a position where I think those of us in supply chain bring expertise to a world that desperately needs it, whether that's in business in the humanitarian world with Ukraine or, or otherwise. And so I think I think now's a great time 
first of all, to be very deliberate about where we spend our time. And, and my message to your audience would be, think about where you can make the biggest impact. I think now's a great time to be thinking about deals. If you've built a great company, the level of interest in, in our industry and your business is probably higher than it's ever been. Think about selling. Think about taking advantage of that. If you're building a company and you're scaling up, now's a great time to raise capital and accelerate. By the way, I, I should add something. In the two months since our conference, the public markets in, in some areas of technology have dropped as much as 40%. That doesn't mean that deals won't still get done. It does mean that the bar is going to be higher for companies that get funded. Valuation multiples are going to be lower, just like they are in the public markets. But it doesn't mean that deals won't happen. It just means smaller number of winners at, at, at more reasonable valuations. It shouldn't change your view if you're an entrepreneur. If you've got something you're excited about, step on the gas, bring in capital and, and, and scale it up. And then, and then lastly, to who much is given, much is expected. All of us, I think, have an opportunity and an obligation to give back. And we just encourage the, the, those who are listening to think about how you can help, whether it's with the Ukraine Logistics Coalition, whether it's with groups on the ground, Red Cross, International Rescue Committee, JDC, or otherwise. But supply chain skills can really be an important part of the solution. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Ben, before, before we wrap this up, so who does BGSA and Cambridge Capital work with? Who's your sweet spot and what do you help them achieve? Thank you for asking. We, we work with great entrepreneur-led companies. Most of what we do, so on the Cambridge Capital side, we provide growth capital and we also do buyouts for companies. Typically, they're either high-growth software companies, generally in the range of 5 to $30 million of recurring revenue or SaaS revenue, or companies in the services side, logistics services, doing 5 to $30 million of EBITDA in the supply chain arena. We look broadly at supply chain. As long as companies are, number one, run by talented leaders, number two, in businesses that have tailwinds for growth, number three, where we think there's something that we can do to help and add value, and number four, where there's a, a reasonable deal. Pay fair prices, and we're not looking to, to, to buy something for nothing, nor are we looking to, to be crazy and, and massively overpay. But our view is invest in great companies pay a fair price, and then help those companies as partners to really help them grow. Like with Bring, we helped them grow after we first invested. We have 40% impact on, on the revenue the following year. With companies like Reverse Logics, we've helped them build out their management team and uh, accelerate recruiting in areas like VPs of sales, marketing, engineering, and finance. For our companies, we bring them to our conference, give them access, help support them. And so, so really... Cambridge Capital is looking to continue to invest in great entrepreneur-led companies in that five to thirty million dollar SaaS revenue or five to thirty million dollar EBITDA range. And then BG Strategic Advisors, as an investment bank, has a broader range. But fundamentally, it's it's working with great companies in all areas of supply chain that are looking for either a sale to cash out an owner that's at a stage where he or she would like to sell. Maybe it's a corporate divestiture, like for instance, we sold. Werner's freight forwarding division uh, recently. We, we helped NFI uh, buy a company that was a carve out of a public company called CAI. So, you know, broad range, but, you know, fundamentally, it, it's, it's all about working with companies in supply chain that have a, a clear point of view about unlocking value, buyer, seller, investor, or otherwise. Yep. What I love about what you guys are doing is you're not in a million, you're, you're not also investing in 
a dozen other industries since you've been in this industry your whole career almost, right? Yeah. And you truly understand it. You have investments in the space and you've you've got the best of both worlds where you you're actually an operator in some regards and uh well, I shouldn't say wrong way to say it, but you have operational experience, but on top of that, the expertise in the space and and the financial wherewithal to make these things happen. Because again, I, I I see a lot of VC deals. We all watch those on on LinkedIn, and you got look at the, who those VC companies are, and nothing against them. I'm sure they they're smart people, and they're investing a lot of money, so they're not being foolish. But they are not necessarily from our space. And I always think, God, that's that's a tough job when I have to make an investment of a lot of money in a space that I don't know that much about. Well, exactly right. We, we've said no to a lot of things in order to say yes to supply chain and supply chain only. And I think Michael Porter says strategy is about saying no an awful lot of the time. We, we say no to anything outside of supply chain and then really invest in building a great team with great expertise in, in supply chain so that we can help great companies. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Ben, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I will put all the links we talked about in the show notes. So if you guys want to reach out to Ben, either on the Ukraine Logistics Coalition or on business stuff, please click through and look at those show notes. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you, Joe. Great to be with you again. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.